Hey, this is Dan Savage, and welcome to the Savage Love Podcast. Uh, we'll get right to the calls, because that's what it's all about. But first, I have to say that last week I made a little error. Uh, I was talking about the amount of ejaculate, uh, the average man ejaculates, and I referenced the band Loving Teaspoon. And uh, there is no band Loving Teaspoon. It's actually Lovin' Spoonful. Uh, I apologize to all the rock snobs out there. Uh, when I was a kid, I was listening to Camelot while other kids were listening to Morrissey, um, and I never got my rock and roll education, uh, so it's just a sort of mistake I would make. But y'all out there keeping me honest, keep me on my toes about my rock references. So, uh, love and spoonful, folks, not love and teaspoon. And I apologize uh, to everyone I offended so grievously by fucking that up. All right, let's get to our first uh, first caller in this week's podcast. Hi, um, my name's Melissa. I'm 20 years old, and I have this problem with this boyfriend I have. He, um, I found out that he likes porn, and uh, I, I can't stand it because it, it just sickens me out how he doesn't seem to want to have sex with me anymore. He rather He'd rather watch porn on his computer, and I really need advice of what to do. Like, should I dump him? Um, what should I say to him? Thanks. So you discovered that your boyfriend likes porn. Um, here's a little news flash. You're going to discover that every boyfriend you ever have throughout your life, every husband you ever have, whether it's just one or a whole collection of them, likes porn. The problem here isn't that your boyfriend likes porn. The problem here is that your boyfriend doesn't seem to like you well enough to be considerate about your feelings. And he doesn't seem to be as interested in an actual sex life as he is in this virtual sex life. Which leads me to believe that either he's very emotionally uh, immature and would rather whack off sitting in front of the computer. And sometimes, it, you know, some guys uh, prefer their sex lives to be sort of digital abstractions now all their lives. They don't really want to have uh, flesh and blood sex with real flesh and blood people because they find that reality can't compete with fantasy and, uh, and the right or left hand, uh, whatever the case may be. And, and those sorts of guys sometimes want the companionship of a girlfriend too, that, or they want the status of a girlfriend. They just don't want any of the responsibilities of a girlfriend uh, and benefits, perks of a girlfriend, like real sex. Uh, responsibility sort of being, you know, take care of her, take care of her needs, make her feel special, don't make her feel like uh, porn that didn't make the cut or doesn't make the grade. My advice for you would be to dump this jackass uh, instantly if he makes you feel like porn is more important than you are or, you know, fake sex is more important or, you know, fantasy sex is more important to him than you are. Um, don't go on from here expecting that the next guy you're with isn't going to beat off every once in a while, isn't going to look at porn every once in a while. He is. What you want to look for uh, in a guy uh, with the porn thing is a guy who keeps it in, you know, uh, in balance and sort of reasonable. You want to look for somebody who takes care of your needs, who meets your needs, and every once in a while he rubs one out just because he wants to think about someone other than you, and that's okay. People do it. You know, what we want from our partners is perhaps physical exclusivity, exclusivity if that's what you want, you know, a physical commitment. But, you know, people's brains and their, uh, are going to go places, and sometimes guys and girls need to, uh, you know, uh, exercise their uh, infidelity impulses uh, without actually committing infidelity, and they can do it through fantasy, and they should. Uh, so you shouldn't try to police his fantasy life. Blah, blah, blah. I do go on. 
So I guess, in short, dump this jackass, jump this motherfucker, because he's not taking care of you and he prefers porn. But when you go on from here, and I'm not, I don't want you to think, because I told you to dump this guy, that I'm telling you to dump every other guy you ever date who likes porn, because every other guy you ever date is going to like porn. What you want is a guy who likes porn a lot less than he likes you, and those guys exist. Uh, but they're all going to look at porn. They're all going to look at porn. They're all going to look at porn. All men look at porn. All men look at porn. All men look at porn. Thank you. Uh, this is a caller from the Midwest. Hi. I am calling because uh, recently this semester I've had a number of urinary tract infections. I'm a heterosexual female, and I've discussed it with my doctor and kept happening. Um, and I'm after the talks with the doctor, I, I'm speculating that it's sex-related, um, because I've been practicing proper hygiene, I've been drinking cranberry juice by the bucket full, and every all the brochures that I've read and everything my doctor has said, it looks like uh, sex is the only thing that could be causing it. Uh, my doctor suggested a pill that I could take, but frankly, the less pills I have to take to enjoy sex, the better, I say. So I was wondering if you knew of any sites that could offer sexual positions. I've read a couple times in the brochures that there are sexual positions that don't inflame the urethra as much, but the brochures never say what these sexual positions are, and my doctor gets all blushy and awkward whenever I ask him about it and says that the pill should just work. So I was wondering if maybe you would be able to point me in the right direction uh, to cure this not serious, but incredibly uncomfortable and annoying problem. Sorry to hear about your urinary tract infections. A little sorrier to hear about your doctor blushing and handing you pills. Um, the thing is about uh, trying different positions to avoid irritating uh, your urethra is there is no, like, one magic position. It all depends on the angle of your urethra, the position of your urethra, the arrangement of um, all of your feminine folds and peaks and valleys and lips and flaps and gears and gizmos. Uh, so you really have to experiment with different positions until you find the ones that don't irritate your particular uh, plumbing. So it's not like they can just say doggy style and then everyone who gets UTIs, urinary tract infections, can just run out and do doggy style. Uh, you got to try doggy style for a while. If that keeps irritating you, try something else. Try it inside. Try hanging him from his ankles from the ceiling and you hang from your ankles and fuck like that. Uh, just try lots of different positions until you find the one that doesn't irritate. Um, you may also, uh, and I, I hope your doctor's already told you this, urinate immediately after intercourse. The urinary tract infections uh, happen because, you know, with a woman, uh, the urethra is just that hole that's sitting there sort of flush with everything else. And as a guy grinds his crotch against your crotch, uh, things are being ground up into your urethra. Uh, and unlike a, a, a guy who ejaculates at the end of sex and shoves everything that might have been pushed into his urethra out, most women don't ejaculate through their urethras at the end of sex, although some do, and therefore don't shove out whatever was ground in. So it's a really good idea after sex to go to the bathroom and take a long whiz and wash your genitals uh, if you're having UTI problems. Uh, so I would before I started taking a pill, uh, and I'm with you. I'm for avoiding pills as much as possible. Uh, pee, scrub, and try different positions till you find the ones that work for you.
And, oh, can I say one more thing before the, the that risk youth here who run the podcast are about to cut me off? Um, you also might want to make sure that whoever it is that you're sleeping with and presuming it's a regular partner is uh, cleaning his genitals and taking maybe taking a shower before you guys fuck. Because if he's got a sort of dirty crotch or he's a truck driver and he comes in and he's all covered with sweat and bacteria or whatever, and then he's grinding that against you, that could be problematic. And I hate to be super-duper gross, but a lot of urinary tract infections are because of fecal contamination. So if he's not a really good wiper or if he's some guy who wipes from back to front and gets shit all over his dick and crotch or is just like the king of skid marks and basically has uh, fecal matter you know, from his knees to his waist – uh, in small trace amounts, that could be a problem too. So it's not just something you have to do with the cranberry juice and the pills and the peeing and the washing. It's also something that your partner can uh, help you with by making sure that his crotch is scrubbed clean before you fuck too. So uh, good luck with that. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm calling after listening to the podcast where you were counseling the newly out gay man about the gay scene and also the straight man about monogamy and stuff like that. Um, I'm calling from one of those gay mecca-type cities, and I'm calling because I love the gay scene. I love the partying and the recreational drug use, although not so much the drug use, I guess. And, you know, the dancing and the stupid bullshit. And my boyfriend of four years uh, does not. (laughs) And this has become the stumbling block of our relationship so, um, I guess, you know, my viewpoint is, so I, I love the things that my boyfriend and I do have, which involve, like, common interests and, um, you know, a sense, he has a great sense of humor, he's crazy about me, the sex that we're having is good, um, although, you know, the things that we share are, like, the tried and the true, the, the deep, <laughs> the high-minded and I always end up wanting to inject sort of a, a cheesy, stupid, superficial fun element. And by that, I mean like gay bars and partying and stuff like this. Um, I tag along with some of my friends who are sort of more ingrained in that scene. And it's fun for me to hang out with them, but I always want um, my boyfriend to want to do that stuff too, even though he has no real interest in it. So we end up having these conversations, which he hears as a list of his shortcomings. And um, he thinks I just want to sleep around. And I don't. I want to keep all the stuff that we do have and then just sort of, you know, pursue the, the sort of extra, you know, stereotypical gay shit as well. <laughs> but also, you know, I'm 22. He, I, no, I'm not. I'm 26. He's 33. We met when I was... Um, 22 and he was 29 and um that is very close to the ages that you and your partner were when you guys met each other and so uh my boyfriend wants to settle down and i'm 26 and i wouldn't mind settling down but i have some questions you tell other 26 year olds that they shouldn't be thinking about monogamy and yet you know your boyfriend was 26 with a kid with you so i'm wondering you know, did he just get all this stuff out of his system um, before you guys met? Or did you have to work on that together at all? Just curious. So that's sweet. Um, and it does sound like uh, you and your partner or boyfriend or whatever, and me and my partner or boyfriend or husband or whatever, we're the same age as when we met. Um, and uh, much as I hate talking about my little life, uh, 
because uh, one of the, the secrets of the success, I think, of Savage Love over the long term is it's really not about my sex life. Uh, a lot of sex columns have come and gone in the time Savage Love's been banging around. Uh, but most of those sex columns are writers writing about their own kicks and thrills and sex lives. And, and I kind of avoid that. And it's sort of part of my prenuptial agreement with Terry is that I don't go on and on about us or, or him. Because he's a really private person who is condemned to meet me uh, and have books written about uh, his ass, which has kind of made him crazy. Anyhow, here's how you need to handle it. Uh, you want your boyfriend to want to do this stuff. You want your boyfriend to want to go out and party and do the gay clubs and the gay dancing thing and the gay superficial thing and hang out with a pack of drunk twinks from you know the sound of your voice. I'd say that's probably who you're running with uh, and, and enjoy it. Uh, but he doesn't enjoy it. And you know what? He's never going to enjoy it. And if you make him come with you, he's not going to let you enjoy it either. Uh, that's what my boyfriend and I learned. My boyfriend likes to go out, likes to dance. Uh, likes to go clubbing with his friends sometimes. And when I would tag along, I would kind of ruin it for him because he would know that I didn't really want to be there and I was just there to make him happy and that I was miserable. Um, and I would make, you know, and he'd feel miserable and then it would just ruin it. So what we came to eventually was he would go out and he had his clubbing friends and he still kind of does, even though he's 35 now. He goes out and he has his clubbing friends and, and they have a blast and then they come home and he tells me about it. Uh, your boyfriend's concern that, you know, this means that you want to sleep around. The only way you can put that concern to rest is by going out and having your fun and not cheating on him. Uh, he has to trust you to uh, to do that. You have to prove to him that that's what you intend to do or intend not to do. You intend not to sleep around, not to cheat on him, even if you are having sort of flirty fun when you go out. And you're going to have flirty fun when you go out. And he has to be okay with that. He has to be okay with other people wanting to sleep with his boyfriend, with his boyfriend talking to other people who might want to sleep with him and enjoying the fact that other people want to sleep with him without actually ever sleeping with anybody. Uh, only if you guys can get to that point where you're not stifling, you're not forcing him to do something he doesn't want to do to please you, and he's not forcing you not to do something that you want to do to please him, can you get past this? Uh, you are individuals. You can have your own sets of friends. You can have mutual friends. You can have shared friends. But you can also have your going out friends, and he can have his staying in friends. And there's nothing about settling down that means you can't go out anymore my boyfriend and i've been together for 12 fucking years he still goes out every once in a while you know we're a bit more settled we have a kid he doesn't go out as often as he did when we first met but every once in a while you know a half dozen times a year or so every other month or so he goes out with his friends and they go to the club nights and they have a blast and he comes home sort of trashed and crawls into bed and tells me about all the cute guys that threw themselves at him uh, which I enjoy hearing about, I have to admit. And then he sleeps it off the next morning, and I get up and take care of the kid. Uh, and that's just the way it works, and that's the way you guys can work it. Obviously, my boyfriend and I have been able to work it. It sounds like your boyfriend uh, and I feel the same way about clubbing and that you and my boyfriend feel the same way about clubbing. Uh, so if we made it work, you guys can make it work. But you got to accept that you're different people who have a lot in common, but you're still going to have different interests uh, and different uh, take pleasure in different things, and you need to let each other do that and let each other be free while you're still together. Hey, Dan. This is Luke. I'm calling from Indiana. Uh, Chevrolet, in their most recent ad campaign for the new Silverado, has that horrible John Mellencamp song playing. And at one point, they flash up a picture of a Boy Scout and say, this is our philosophy. And I find that somewhat offensive. Boy Scouts are known for not being terribly inclusive and somewhat homophobic, or maybe even badly homophobic. And if Chevrolet thinks that's their philosophy, then they maybe have some things to learn 
in any case, I, I don't know if we need to organize a boycott or anything major. I just think that somebody needs to bring it to their attention that that, that is somewhat offensive. I suppose we could call for a gay boycott of Chevy, but I don't know any gays who've ever purchased a Chevy, so I'm not really sure that the Chevy Corporation, I don't even know who makes Chevys, is that GM? I'm not even sure that they would be particularly terrified by by the prospect of, of a big gay boycott of Chevy. Uh, you know, Boy Scouts, Mom, Apple Pie... Uh, the Boy Scouts are an exclusionary, homophobic organization. They're in a lot of trouble over the country. They're losing a lot of the perks that they used to enjoy because they like their homophobia so much. The Girl Scouts don't seem to have to be homophobic or anything, but, boy, the Boy Scouts can't let go of it. And they're suffering enough, and, you know, whatever. It, it would be an awful lot of effort. It's just an ad. Um, you know, they're not coming out with uh, Chevys painted with swastikas on the hoods or anything. Um, I'm sure it was thoughtless, but I'm sure it's just not worth it. We have so much else to organize around if you're worried about gays and lesbians politically uh, than uh, who and what the, the, the Chevy Corporation puts in its television commercials to emotionally manipulate uh, heterosexuals into buying their cars because certainly no gay people are buying their cars. Hi, I'm calling in response to the white woman who called in response to the black man who wanted to attract white women. And the white woman said um, that, you know, sort of black culture is to um, harass women by yelling out of the street. I don't think she used the word harassment, but that's what it is. I'm a black woman, and I can say that it is not black culture to yell outside of a car or um, say, you know, demeaning things to women walking down the street. And it is certainly not the way that um, black women like being treated. And it is not the way that black culture um, treats black women or the way that black men are able to get dates. Um, it is harassment and it is offensive to all women including black women and it is offensive to me that someone would imply that that type of behavior is black cultural behavior obviously people do it a lot um, but it is not only black men that are doing it it is definitely white men that are doing it as well and I get harassed by white men quite often um, what I would suggest is that a white woman may notice when a black man does it because she finds it offensive. She may consider it a compliment when a white man does it. I don't know. What I do know is that it is not a part of black culture, and I do not appreciate a white woman um, claiming that harassing women is a black cultural practice. I don't really want to follow up with you. I kind of just want to get the hell out of the way of this whole conversation about attracting black women, attracting black men, the way black men are, the way white women are, the way who said this, who said that. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the city, uh, and I've seen it. I've seen black guys do it. I've seen white guys do it. I've seen black girls do it. You know, I went to a high school that was uh, mostly black, and I got harassed by the black girls. Uh, and I think it just comes down to uh, that kind of, Leering and catcalling is something that everybody does. But let's just put this to bed, shall we? And let's always remember that when people uh, engage in gross generalizations here uh, on the podcast or in the column, 
uh, that they're engaging in gross generalizations and not take it too much to heart. But if we've offended you, if that if that cracker bitch offended you, I just want to apologize uh, for it. And, and thank you for calling and uh, doing your part, doing your part. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm calling about a question from your last podcast. There was a guy who asked about uh, coming less frequently. You told him um, that he was a 30-year-old guy that he should understand that he's past his prime and um, he's just you know not going to come as much as he did when he was like 18. Now, I actually am 18 and I am at my prime. And I've noticed that since I've become sexually active, um, I haven't been able to come as frequently. Um, when my girlfriend and I first started doing like mutual masturbation and a little sex, um, I could come a bunch. But since we started having vaginal intercourse, um, I just I, I just don't come as much. Um, I'm not as sexually frustrated as I was. Um, like when I was just you know sitting in my room jacking off before my mom came in or anything. Um, but I'm not, I, I don't come as much as I used to. Um, now, uh, I guess my question is, am I, am I prematurely old? Or is there something about having regular sex that makes you come less or, or what? Um, so I really appreciate an answer. Thanks a lot. Um, really like what you're doing. Great. Thanks. Bye. The caller, the caller before uh, who, who you referenced was actually concerned not – about the frequency of his orgasms, but the volume of his ejaculate. And I can't tell from your call whether your problem is that you're coming uh, less frequently or that when you come, there's less uh, come. Uh, I'm assuming it's frequency because if you're having a lot of vaginal intercourse, uh, even if you're using condoms, it's sometimes hard, you know, probably not like observing the splash that you used to observe all over your 18-year-old abs. Not that I'm going to picture that right now because it wouldn't be right. Um yeah, access to regular sex uh, may make you come less frequently. And, you know, the sort of uh, eye-crossing, brain-fucking-destroying horniness levels that you have at 16 and 17, 15, 14, when you're not getting any uh, and you want it so desperately and your heart is just pumping so fast all the time and it's all you can think about. And, yeah, then when you're 18, 19, you suddenly have access, if you have a sex partner, to – as much regular sex as you want whenever you want it, yeah, you'll probably come less frequently. You probably need to come less frequently uh, because there's not this sort of subconscious uh, desperation that it, it inspires you to milk yourself all the time. You can save it up and uh, share it with your very special someone. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think you're prematurely old. Uh, I think you would worry about being prematurely old if you went from, like, pumping out what looked like a quart every time you came to pumping out what looked like uh, you know, like it wouldn't fill uh, Benjamin Franklin's mouth on a nickel or whatever. Uh, doesn't make any sense. I'm so tired. I'm really sorry. Um, you know, if the volume had decreased drastically, even though you were having sex, having fewer orgasms, and therefore there should be more volume. But if what you're having is the ability to go longer periods of time uh, between your orgasms uh, and between any sort of like horrifying pressing need to have your orgasms, uh, that's fine. Um, love and spoonful. Remember, it's not a teaspoon. It's just sort of popping back into my head. Don't know why. That's it. We're done. That's the Savage Love podcast for this week. I'm Dan Savage, uh, author of Savage Love, and we have a phone number here at the podcast that you can call if you want to record a question 
for a future podcast uh, brought to you by me and the at-risk youth here at Savage Love Incorporated. 206-201-2720 is the number to call. Leave a callback number. We won't broadcast it, but in case we want to get to you with a follow-up, leave a callback number, uh, and uh, we'll get back to you. I'm Dan Savage, and this has been a wildly sort of digressive kind of exhausted Savage Love podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. Tell the mountains and the canyon As long as I got legs to stand on